Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Juice, the Rockets got their butts handed to them on Wednesday by Anthony Davis. I'm Jack Phil, and it's a good thing I'm a bigger Texans fan. Yeah, it is a good thing. I, I hear they're up to three straight wins now or something like that. It's not like that's a big deal. All right, boys and girls, today I'm joined by my friend and very passionate fan of the Houston Texans, Mr. Jack Solo. On today's episode, Chris Sale has a trip to the hospital, Christian Yelich has an opinion on Manny Machado, and the NFL has a big Week 7 slate. But we begin today with the much maligned fan interference call between the Red Sox and Astros during Wednesday night's Game 4. Jose Altuve hit a ball to the right field that could have been a home run or a catch of the ages by Mookie Betts, but neither of these things happen. Altuve was called out on a fan interference despite being a Betts being above that yellow line. Juice, if you were an umpire, what would your call be? Um, like I believe many Astros fans would say, I, I would call that a home run. Uh, Mookie Betts was trying to rob a home run from Jose Altuve, and he was reaching over the yellow line, I believe, to rob that ball. And the MLB rulebook states that if that happens, it's at the discretion of the player. And yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. It is at the discretion of the player, but I will say this. That... I mean, did you did you read about what happened to that fan? He went and bought some new clothes during the game and showed up back to that seat in disguise. Some yeah. of I, that fan was a dumb dumb for make, trying to do that. But the the way I see this is, it should have been a ground rule double because you can't really you never really know what would have happened if Mookie Betts had caught that ball. But you want to give Altuve at least some credit for whacking that ball almost over the line. It I mean it would have been a home run. It, if bets hadn't gotten in the way, so I'm, uh, I don't know if this is legal, but I'd probably call it somewhere in the middle. And I'm, in fact, I doubt it is legal. But if it was, if I was Joe West, ground rule double, call it in the middle, try to make it, I make each team somewhat happy. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but I think Joe West was just trying to be decisive with the call, and ultimately, it's a tough call to make. And yeah, I mean, it's a very tough call to make. Many fans are very upset at Joe West, but I don't know how I would have made that call, honestly. I mean, so. I'm going to allude to what might have happened. I mean, I, I'm going to say this as well. The Ashers can't blame that call. They can't blame that call for everything. They had yep. blamed Charlie Morton for giving up three earned runs in two and a third inning in the probably the biggest game of his life with the team facing a 3-1 deficit. He doesn't even get out of the third inning. And blame Justin Verlander for giving up four earned runs in an elimination game. Yeah, That's honestly, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I think the Red Sox still would have won. Maybe it would have taken six games, but I still think the Red Sox would easily be in the World Series at this point. Oh, uh, well. I mean, game six would be tonight. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, as an Astros fan, I hate to see that happen, but who knows what would have been, what would have happened if the call were different. Um, in more Red Sox news, Chris Sale took a trip to the Massachusetts General Hospital after AOCS Game 1 with a stomach illness. Sale was able to fly to Houston to be with the team, but could not pitch in Game 5. Though it worked out better for the Red Sox, it remains a question as to how effective Sale can be in the World Series. Liam, are you concerned with this at all? No, not at all, because I'm, uh, the Astros have much better pitching than either the Brewers or the Dodgers, and the Red Sox seemed able to do just fine, and I'm a... Uh, and David Price was absolutely brilliant Thursday night. Six strong innings, giving up just three hits, no earned runs, striking out nine against 
one of the best against the the reigning world champs. I'll say that. But I'm a and Nathan Nathan Eovaldi's been an unsung hero for the Sox this postseason. He's pitched both game threes on the road and won both game threes on the road. Also, also gave the Sox four outs, leading up to Craig Kimberl in Game Five. But I'm so I'm not really that concerned. But I I think if David, if David Price needs to at least have a portion of what he did Thursday night for it to be okay. Yeah, I'd be a little concerned if I were a Red Sox fan. Uh, Chris Sale has had his postseason struggles in the past, and if he couldn't pitch in Game 5 in a possibly decisive um, uh, season-winning game for the Red Sox, I'd be a little concerned, but ultimately Chris Sale is one of the best con- best pitchers in the entire MLB, so I think he'll be probably be fine, but there is a chance that He's not right, and they're going to have to win without him, which they very easily could. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. I mean, you talked about it being decisive, because if the ball slips by Andrew Benintendi at the end of Game 4, three-run score, Astros win, series is tied, and yeah. Sale can't pitch in what, in my opinion, would have been the decisive game. I think, I think the pressure on Verlander would be less, and I think he would have pitched better if the series was tied. Yeah. And I'm, uh, so that, that just changes everything, because series is tied... It's a decisive game five. We don't. David Price is a lot more pressure on him because we all know how well the Astros play at Fenway. So yeah. it just changes everything. If the ball is three inches lower on Andrew Benintendi's fly ball, it changes everything. Yeah. All right. So, well, if but I will say this: if David Price can keep that up from Thursday night, then Sale is nowhere near as important. Things got. Feisty between the Milwaukee Brewers and the L.A. Dodgers during Game 4 of their NLCS series when Dodgers shortstop Manny Machado allegedly kicked Brewers first baseman Jesus Aguilar in the leg while running the first base. Christian Yelich proceeded to call it a dirty play by a dirty player. Deuce Machado is a free agent this winter. Does that have an effect on him or the Dodgers for tonight's Game 7? Well, Machado's made at least three dirty plays this series that I've seen, and I don't think there was any... Um, doubt about it. I think he purposely did kick Aguilar in the leg when he was running the first base. Um, I don't really think this will have an effect on him or the Dodgers, either this postseason or in free agency. I think MLB teams will just write this off to him being a uh, a player who cares a lot and is intense, but it's definitely a dirty play. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was watching PTI yesterday, and Tony Kornheiser said that Dustin Pedroia has never been the same since Machado kicked him in the knee, and he missed all of this past year with a bad knee, and and I now that I'm hearing that, I kind of blame Machado for that, because after seeing what he did to Aguilar and how hearing about all the dirty plays he's made, it it just makes it, makes it much more interesting to see what happens this winter, because I'm a, he wants to play short, he wants a big contract, but... I don't know how big of a contract he's going to get with that track record. The, the, New, the New York Yankees, with Didi Gregorius going down, may want to give him $200 million, but I, I don't really see many other teams wanting to. I can see a lot of teams willing to give up $350 million for this guy. Oh, see, $350 million from Machado, yeah. who's had probably two really good years, now like yeah. Bryce Harper, who's a proven player. Teams love getting young players who they still think has a lot of upside. I personally would not go anywhere near that price tag, but 
definitely see it happening. Uh, so you wouldn't go anywhere near Len you wouldn't go anywhere near Machado because of the price tag yeah. that's on him. Yep. Okay. It will be interesting to see where he lands in this winter. Uh, now let's get into some NFL news where the Buffalo Bills have decided to start Derek Anderson over Nathan Peterman instead of the injured Josh Allen. Uh, Liam, what do you expect out of Anderson over the next few weeks while Allen is out with his elbow? Okay, so let's take a look at the Bills' schedule. Tomorrow they're in Indianapolis. Let's see where they are in week... And then week 8, Monday Night Football against the Patriots. We all know how that's going to end. And then, and, and then in week 9, they host the Chicago Bears. That is a certain 0-3. Well, yeah, prob more than likely they're going to go 0-3. So it means nothing on the rest of the league. They are terrible. Derek Anderson is terrible. Nathan Peterman is really, really, really terrible. Josh Allen hasn't been great. I expect nothing. Yeah. Um, there's no way I could argue with that. There's, I see no path to the Bills winning a single game over that tough three-game stretch. Um, honestly, even if Josh Allen were healthy, I think they'd lose all three of them. Uh, yeah, I do too. And since we agreed so quickly, I'm just going to go ahead and say that team is quite the train wreck. Yeah, Tomorrow and Monday, 26 teams play a game in the National Football League. I'm going to make it short and simple. Which one of them needs to win the most? I've got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, although a lot of teams have uh, their playoff lives on the line. significantly impacted by this game. The Eagles are 3-3, three and three and they're playing the Carolina Panthers. If they lose this game, they could be sitting at 3-4 and four and possibly staring at not making the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl. Okay, so I have two teams on my list, and well, actually three, and both, all three of them have been, well, you could say one has been a surprise, two of them have been disappointing, all right, actually the first two match up, the game, and this intrigues me because it's the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins, Dallas is coming off that massive 40-7 to victory against arguably the best defense in the NFL that has gotten shown up twice in the past week, and I, I also believe Jacksonville really needs to win this week, but I believe Dallas and Washington in particular because they're trying to make their stand against Philly, whom you just mentioned, in the NFC East. So I think whomever wins that game is going to carry a lot of momentum into potentially challenging Philly. And my other team is the disappointing 2-4 and four Atlanta Falcons. They almost lost to Tampa Bay last week. To, they almost dropped to 1-5, and five, which would have put their season on the shelf practically in and this team came into the season with aspirations of going back to the Super Bowl. But I know injuries have plagued them. But they're 2-4. and four. Their red zone offense is absolutely terrible. So I've... And they, they play the Giants at home. So that's a favorable matchup for them. But if they don't win, I really think they're in trouble. Yeah, their defense is so bad. Alright. Following the team with most need of a win, it's time to play the most game or a word will be placed after the word most. And we'll debate categories in sports that apply to the phrase. And today's phrase is most in need. Let's start with this. Which NFL coach is in need of a good showing over the first ne over the next few weeks? Okay, so this coach got off to a terrible start. I mean, he's dealt with injuries over the past couple of years, but he's a terrible start. 0-3, might I add. The coach most in need of a good stretch over the next couple of weeks is Bill O'Brien. Don't get me wrong, O'Brien has had a great stretch over the past few weeks, winning three in a row. Though you could argue that many of those wins were... Okay, you could argue that the first win, first two wins, as a matter of fact, were gifted to them by 
terrible coaching decisions on the on behalf of Frank Reich and Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, and the and last week's win was given to them by Nathan Peterman. So you could argue that the Houston Texans could be 0-6 right now, and Bill O'Brien probably wouldn't even have a job if the Texans were 0-6. So they have they're they're taking a trip to Jacksonville tomorrow. Then they host the Dolphins on Thursday night football. That's a good test for them. Then week nine they're in the Mile High City playing Denver. Then week ten they're on bye. And week 11, they're in Washington. So if anyone needs a good showing over the next few weeks, going into a bye week, it's the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think we need at least two wins over those next three games that you mentioned. Um, I'm going to go with John Gruden. Oh, that's a... His, his Raiders have been so bad. They've been worse than the Bills. They gave him a $100 million contract. He needs to show why. I get that his players are terrible, mostly because of him. Yeah, but, but he traded the best pass rusher in the league, and he's complaining about not having a pass yeah, rusher. It's insane. Um, it's it's diabolical. Yeah, so he needs to get his act together, get his team on Absolutely. the right track, and he needs to win another game. His one win on the season was against the Browns, and that only happened because of an awful but, officiating call where they called uh, Derek Carr down by forward progress, which he wasn't even touched, and he fumbled the ball, so... Oh my! Hey, yeah, I genuinely think the Cleveland Browns could be five and one right now. I'm just gonna make that up. Next up, the NBA rookie most in need to have a good first month. Um, I'd say Trey Young. Um, the Atlanta Hawks trade out of spot to select uh, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young hasn't looked very good in the summer league and all the. And in his first game, he just didn't look very good. He needs to show why he was the number five pick and why the. Atlanta Hawks put their trust in him. Okay, well, my answer is Trey Young too, so I'm gonna give you something else. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mo Bamba of the Orlando Magic. I mean, he's been out partying the whole summer, yelling Saturdays are for the boys on social media, so and he even has a song named after him now, so Mo I think what the Orlando Magic are trying to do is build around him a super athletic he can he can really jump out of the gym, but if the Orlando, if he cannot play well, the Orlando, the train wreck of a franchise that is the Orlando Magic is going to become even more of a train wreck of a franchise. Yep, I can definitely see that. All right, uh, next up, the MLB team most in need uh, to add a starting pitcher this winter. Oh, it's quite frank, the New York Yankees. Their starting pitching was ghastly in the American League Division Series particularly C.C. Sabathia and Luis Severino. I know Severino was lights out in the first half of the regular season, but got worse and worse over the year. But I'm a... And I know Masahiro Tanaka has been relatively consistent, but that's not enough. And C.C. Sabathia is an old man now. J.A. Happ's a free agent. In fact, I think Sabathia is a free agent too. So the New York Yankees need to pick something up. I've I've heard they're going after Patrick Corbin of the Arizona Diamondbacks, but... If the Yankees don't pick up starting pitching, I don't see how they can win a World Series. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm going to go with the Oakland Athletics. Oh, um, they made a great they made a great run this year. Lost in the wild card game to the New York Yankees. Um, Sean Manaya is hurt, and they really don't have anyone after him. They have a great they have a great core to build around, but their starting pitching is just not good, and they need to get that fixed if they want to have a shot at. Making a World Series run. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, last one. 
the NFL quarterback most in need to make the playoffs this year? I'm going to say Joe Flacco. Um, the Baltimore Ravens just drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round, and if Joe Flacco wants to hold him off and continue to have that starting job for the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're going to need to make the playoffs this year, which you're on track to do right now. I've, we, we, we know each other so well that we have the same things. I mean, I was going to pick Joe Flacco, but I'm a... Now, I'm going to say Andy Dalton. The past few years for the Bengals have been rough, rough, and rougher. There were speculations of Marvin Lewis getting fired at the end of last year, only to see him come back. And I'm going to add that the Cincinnati Bengals robbed the Baltimore Ravens of a playoff berth last year thanks to a fourth and ten touchdown pass. So I, I really do think Flacco needs to make the playoffs, but I think the Bengals need to make the playoffs too because so – because the Pittsburgh Steelers are still really good. They're going to figure it out, if I, I believe so. They should. They, they definitely should, and they definitely will. But I'm a, I really think that if Andy Dalton wants to prove he's for real, he has to get Cincy back to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls, where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. 30 years ago today, October 20th, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series, winning against the A's 4-1. The Dodgers have not won since their 1988 triumph, 1988 triumph, despite pushing the Astros to seven games last year. Okay, 52 years ago on Monday, October 22nd, hockey legend Bobby Orr scored his first career goal for the Boston Bruins. Orr is one of the greatest uh, defensemen to ever play the game. Okay, and uh, congratulations to you. That's the first hockey reference we've ever had on the show. 25 years ago, Tuesday, October 23rd, Joe Carter of the Toronto Blue Jays hit a walk-off home run that won the Blue Jays the World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies. It was the Blue Jays' second straight title, but they have not won one since. Um, 15 years ago today, I mean not today, Thursday, October 25th, the Florida Marlins clinched the World Series, beating the Yankees 2 to nothing. Uh, it's ironic because Yankees legend Derek Jeter is now co-owner and pretty much running the Miami Marlins. Yeah, he's done some dumb things for them. He, I mean, he gave Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, to his old team. So, is Derek Jeter really running the Marlins or just helping his old team out? That's the question. Okay, the show is almost over, so it's time for Who You Got, where we will spotlight one key matchup happening across all three leagues. And we'll start in the NBA. The Rockets and Lakers go at it tonight. In Staples Center, who you got? I got the Rockets winning this. Um, I think that's going to take some time for the Lakers to gel with LeBron James. I think the Rockets are going to come in and pretty easily get the win. Yeah, I agree. I think the Rockets are going to win. I mean, they both the Rockets and Lakers have bad, bad starts. Losing on op- losing their first games. The Rockets got flattered in Game 1. The yeah. Lakers didn't look great either. But like you said, the, the Lakers are going to need time to gel and I think the Rockets will too, but the real the key here is Chris Paul gelling Carmelo Anthony in. LeBron James is being gelled into what Luke Walton does, so I'm taking the Rockets. Yep. All right. So next up in the NFL, the Bengals travel to play Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. Who you got? So Pat Mahomes played his first game in real prime time last week, coming up just short to New England on Sunday night. But I don't think that's going to happen again. I think. I think Cincinnati will put up a really good fight. I think it'll be a close game, but I don't think Kansas City will begin their annual downfall yet. I got Kansas City winning by a touchdown. I got Kansas City beginning their annual downfall this week. Um, 
Cincinnati's looked pretty good so far this year. I think eventually Patrick Mahomes will uh, start to struggle. I think the Bengals win this by in a really close game, but I'll say they win by a field goal. Say so they win by a field goal. All right, last one. The MLB, NLCS Game 7 is tonight. Walker Bueller of the Dodgers has the mound, and Julius Chasen of the Milwaukee Brewers has it for Milwaukee. Who is advancing to play the Sox in the World Series? Um, I think this is honestly a toss-up. I could see either team going. Uh, the Dodgers, Walker Bueller is a fantastic starting pitcher. The Brewers have a fantastic bullpen. I'm going to go with the Brewers, though. In a very close, I'll say one run game, and I'll, uh, I just think that that bullpen will be too much to handle. Uh, with a fantastic starting lineup led by Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. All right, so Walker Buehler has struggled for the majority of the postseason. Julius Chasen is not. Josh Hader is on full rest. He didn't pitch last night. I'm taking the Brewers to win this one. All right. They make sure um, game seven of the NLCS is on at seven o'clock tonight. FS1. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Jack for being my guest today and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week.